everybody, what's up? Welcome to Bible Prophecy Talk. My name is Chris, and today I am trying something different. I am going to try to do a news-type format for this podcast. So instead of uh, ranting about one or two issues, I'm going to try to quickly hit a lot of different news stories that I've collected with my uh, news aggregator over the past um, few days. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of stuff that uh, I'm interested in, a lot of currently vaccine stuff and uh, COVID-19, lockdown, you know, all kinds of crazy New World Order stuff like that. Uh, in addition to, I eventually want to get a lot more world news. I want to focus in on things like what's happening in the sort of European Mediterranean area, the, the machinations and war and stuff, and keep an eye on Israel and all the different things in the kind of way that I, I would want to uh, keep an eye on it. And I think by doing this, I, you know, get to keep myself a little bit sane and also hopefully provide some takes and also some uh, choices of news that you might not find other places. Uh, also, this is intended to be, uh, I'm recording this on video and I'm going to upload different things to BitChute or maybe something like that. I don't know if I'll do that. Uh, or not. The main thing that I'm trying to do is to create a censorship-free podcast, and I've got an idea how to do that, and I think it can work. I'm not quite there yet. I have a few more things to figure out, uh, but once I do, I'll probably rebrand this podcast to something else and uh, be asking people to subscribe and hopefully incentivize, incentivize people to subscribe to a different feed because I, I think that's the only way to really make it truly uh, censorship free is to, to have a censorship free feed, but more on that later. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, it also, that whole process, I don't normally ask for donations, but that whole process does require a lot of Ethereum, which is a cryptocurrency, um, that is, you know, kind of like Bitcoin. If you do want to donate to that project or to any of the, the things that I do, you can go to, ChrisWhite.crypto is something you can put into your wallet if you have a cryptocurrency wallet. I don't know if all of them will support uh, using uh, crypto domains like that instead of a Bitcoin address or whatever. You can, and like in my Coinbase wallet, for example, I can, uh, instead of an address, I can write ChrisWhite.crypto and uh, you can donate uh, Ethereum. That's the main thing. Ethereum is, that, is what we're hopefully going to need in order to make all this work in the future. But I'm not exactly sure that's the way I'll go in the future. But anyway, all right, so let's just uh, jump right into it. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what uh, the flow would be in a situation like this. And I, I'm sure this will be a lot different um, after I get past episode 1.1 here. So let's just jump right into some vaccine news. And... Um, the first thing I'll mention is 22 in Chicago nursing homes tested positive for COVID-19 after vaccination. This is from the Epoch Times. A similar study from this is uh, brought up from uh, Reddit, in which they say, according to the Epoch Times, 5,800 fully vaccinated Americans have uh, contracted COVID-19. Of those, 74 have died. Now, this is, I think this is a bit of a kryptonite story to the narrative. I, I mean, I guess People should know this. I mean, the, the vaccine companies, for what it's worth, have been fairly open that you can still get COVID if you get this. But the fact that people are dying after it, that should, you would think that would help to wake people up. They'll eventually, I, I'm assuming, say that this is variants and that kind of thing. 
uh, and that's why they got sick after getting the COVID vaccination. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I don't think you can hide this, you know, because it's a very local thing. You have people in your family and friends. You're going to know a lot of people that have that. So um, next one, social media influencer exposes COVID vaccine pay to propagandize scheme. And this one is interesting. This is actually a second such video I've seen. The first one was um, maybe a week or two ago. I made the rounds. This one is a different influencer. She shows the invite. Uh, the amount is thirteen hundred bucks. Again, this is something I feel like the other side would just say, "Well, this is this is just what they're doing to uh, a campaign to reduce vaccine hesitancy." There's nothing necessarily nefarious or gotcha about this. Um, but what it should do for a lot of people is show them that what they think that they're seeing is not what is necessarily true. A lot of the a lot of the stuff that they think is very organic and people getting the vaccines. And it seems like everybody who's anybody's getting the vaccine, a lot of that probably is this kind of stuff. And by the way, that's incredibly uh, illegal. That is that is set, uh, advertising a product without disclosing it. And the vaccine is a product. Make no mistake about it. Um, that's illegal as all get out. And especially for influencers, the ironic thing is it's not necessarily illegal for people on, you know, mainstream television or whatever, but for influencers, oh my gosh, they have so many restrictions on that kind of stuff. And if they don't say not sponsored somewhere or whatever, I mean, it's a really bad thing. So the fact that people are asking them to do that and that, the, and that they are doing it is pretty weird. Uh, let's see. Clinical sites will require vaccinations for SoCal nursing homes. I just put this one in here because, and this is again from the Epoch Times, um, the, this is a nursing school that said uh, that they're required to get the COVID-19, or it says may be required to get the COVID-19 vaccine to complete their university credits, according to the email obtained by the Epoch Times. So to complete their university credits, they need to get this. Follow up uh, to that here, it says, uh, Janine Hill, the Dean of the Crean College of Health and Behavioral Sciences at Chapman University, told students and faculty that the school's clinical partners, including K-12 schools, will require proof, proof of vaccination to participate. So there, it's pretty bold-faced. Now, again, I, my main thing here is that it's illegal. You can't tell somebody to get something that is not FDA approved. You can't force them to do that. And I think it's more interesting here that they're going to force, in order to complete their credits, they have to get it, which seems like that should be something you could very easily sue them for. Um, now, eventually it is going to get approved by the FDA and maybe that one is out. I, you could still sue them, I think. And I think people should just sue these people all over the place. You should start up uh, all kinds of funds. If you can't do a, a GoFundMe, because I'm sure that they won't allow that at some point. Um, yeah, sue people. Japan cuts reliance on AstraZeneca vaccine with more Pfizer jabs. This is just sprinkled in here to show that Pfizer is quickly taking over the market share. They will eventually be the only one, I think. They may keep another one just to keep out of the monopoly territory, but everyone is uh, bowing down to Pfizer, it seems. I've got a couple in here about uh, Manila and the Philippines conducting ivermectin studies. Now, I think ivermectin is a amazing uh, drug, won the Nobel Prize in 2015. It's an anti-parasitic drug. We looked at it recently for other things, including cancer, uh, when combined with, I think it was doxycycline with ivermectin. There's a lot of things that you can combine with ivermectin for it to be effective at uh, uh, inhibiting WNT pathways for cancer. Anyway, it's something to look up if you haven't looked that up before. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's another... Uh, 
thing about ivermectin in the Philippines here. The reason I have it here, where is that one? Uh, FDA ordered, okay. FDA says Duterte ordered Philippine trial of ivermectin. So this is interesting because so if you look up ivermectin right now, the Philippines are all in the news. And the reason is, is because the president basically said, hey, uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to have an ivermectin study uh, in the population. And that way he's going to be able to give people uh, uh, ivermectin. He thinks that ivermectin has shown promise. He's been advised uh, that from his uh, whatever advisors. And he wants to do it, but... People are saying, oh, you can't do that unless it's a part of a study. He's like, okay, well, let's make it part of a study as I give it to a bunch of people. <laughs> and that's essentially what's happening. So, of course, you get these people coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, you're bad and it's bad. But ivermectin is really, really not bad. And it's very, very uh, you know, safe and effective for malaria and has been, I think, shown to be so for COVID-19. In the limited time that we've had, there have been a lot of studies and a lot of studies currently taking place. One of the things that um, I've said about uh, this with hydroxychloroquine, which is similar to ivermectin, actually, they're both antiparasitics, they're both, both used uh, for malaria, um, is that with, with hydroxychloroquine, they it's definitely safe and effective. It's been used for a long, long time. Uh, what the World Health Organization did and the Oxford in Oxford and there those two studies which got used to say that hydroxychloroquine wasn't safe and effective and I covered this on a recent podcast they gave people lethal doses extremely high lethal doses of hydroxychloroquine sick people in beds hundreds of them got lethal doses according to the who's own guidelines in terms of what is a lethal what how much hydroxychloroquine will kill you the who says you know 20 years before they said well this much hydroxychloroquine will kill you yet in this study they give people more than that amount same thing with the oxford study more than that amount at their sickest point and the death rates just skyrocket in that study and then they come out and tell everybody, hey, guess what? Hydroxychloroquine is very unsafe. People are dying. Didn't you know? It's, I can't believe that Trump said that. And uh, it's just, it was murder. And it should be, uh, it should, bad things should happen for that. They should get uh, thrown into some jails, I think. Um, okay, so moving on. Pfizer poised to dominate U.S. market, blah, blah, blah. Um got this thing about the DARPA's injectable COVID sensing microchip. I heard about this in a number of places. I've got it here from uh, uh, Derek Gilbert, just a blurb from something he mentioned on Skywatch TV. The Pentagon's brain, speaking of DARPA, has unveiled an injectable microchip that detects the presence of SARS-CoV-2 in the human body. As with everything developed by DARPA, the question is how can it be weaponized? <clears throat> well, this is going to be interesting because I, as far as I understand it, it's really hard to detect SARS-CoV-2. I've been doing a lot of research uh, this week on the uh, the PCR test. And, uh, you know, I don't even know what they're doing with this, but I would highly doubt that this is its uh, goal. You know, a lot of people ask about Mark of the Beast, and I guess while we're there, I'm going to jump to a study about the uh, Mark of the Beast situation. This is from the Milwaukee Independent. And there are lots of other uh, articles like this showing up all the time. Uh, reaching herd immunity against COVID-19 by mass vaccination faces the barrier of Christian nationalism. 
while the majority of Americans either intend to get the COVID-19 vaccine or have already received their shots, getting white evangelicals to vaccination sites may prove more of a challenge, especially those who identify as Christian nationalists. The Pew Research Center survey conducted in February found that white evangelicals to be uh, the religious group least likely to say they would be vaccinated against the coronavirus. Nearly half, 45%, said they would not get the COVID-19 shot compared to 30% of the general population. Some evangelicals, some evangelicals, that's good reporting. I think some evangelicals is the thing that they teach you in journalism school uh, whenever you want to... Uh, uh, quote somebody, you say, some evangelicals have even linked the coronavirus vaccinations to the mark of the beast, a symbol of submission to the Antichrist found in biblical prophecies. So there you go. Uh, the the Christians won't uh, get it, and they're going to hold us back from herd immunity. And I was thinking about this the other day, um, especially with regard to lockdowns and stuff. Uh, I got this study, uh, rather a story here, Hundreds rally against German COVID-19 lockdown law and uh, police clash with protesters in Berlin on Wednesday as they tried to disperse a rally against the coronavirus lockdown. A parliament approved a law to give Chancellor uh, Merkel's government more powers to fight a third wave of the pandemic. So my point here is that, you know, Germany, I know certainly Canada is just in this mess of a lockdown. I, I have to think of it that way because I am not. I'm in a, a state that is not locked down. It's been pretty much open since the first two weeks uh, after, you know, way back a year ago. We've been, you know, open. I've been going to, you know, restaurants regularly and it's just not a lot has changed here. I mean, mask usage in Walmart and grocery stores are probably like 75%, but everywhere else it's a lot less lax. And as I say, everything is open. Nothing is not open as far as maybe some, you know, I don't know, other things, weird things aren't. But my point is that, um, you know, people that have been in that lockdown and are not get, are, are not able to think that if they get the vaccine, that things will go back to normal. And they have all these things in their head about herd immunity. If we could just get to that and like everything, their job and their future and their happiness is all dependent upon if they can get back to normal and they're sitting in their house and they're doing all this stuff all day long. Man, this has some power to say, you know, Christians are the ones that are keeping you from, from doing this. You know, if, if we could just get those Christians to do it, you could get herd immunity. We can't get herd immunity unless the Christians do it, but they think some dumb, dumb thing that they won't ever do it. And look, I, I'm i not saying that it's it's dumb to think that it's the mark of the beast or whatever. I think that there are valid reasons for thinking that. There's lots of stories out people saying it's not Greg uh, Laurie and others. And I agree it's not. I don't think it is. I don't think it's anywhere close to the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast has to be, number one, something on your right hand or forehead, both of which are not a vaccine. Uh, it has to be something, I believe, that's only given after the midpoint of the 70th week of Daniel. It must specifically be given by the false prophet, a man who calls fire down from heaven in the sight of man, uh, does other miracles as well. But in other words, it's after the abomination of desolation. Mm -hmm. is most, most... Uh, futurist Christian believers understand the mark of the beast to be something that happens after the beginning of the seven year period, well after, as they say, after the midpoint. A temple will be uh, built, there will be sacrifices on the temple before this happens. But above all, it needs to be a thing that is uh, distinguishes you as a worshiper of the Antichrist. And it's less about being able to buy and sell as it is about being marked for the Antichrist. You like what he's saying, or at least you capitulate to what he's saying. And uh, 
you know, you say, I'm going to be on your team. And that distinguishes you from the other team, the one that he's started persecuting at the midpoint uh, in the greatest persecution of all time. All of which are things that haven't happened. They're very specific. I've got a, uh, uh, a flow chart out there. Is it the mark of the beast? Uh, and it goes through a lot of that stuff. So I don't think it is, but it is certainly something as they said, they can find a few people that do think that. And they're going to use them to say some Christians, blah, 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 do that. So it's been something I've been harping on for a while. Um, I'm going to go through, let's see, a couple uh, damage things with the vaccine. So this is a section of the podcast that I'll probably do. So I've got one, two, three, four, five uh, stories here that are basically just things in the last uh, few days that have been reported as to uh, different types of things that are happening with the vaccine. Herpes infection possibly linked to the COVID vaccine study says. So uh, this is from the New York Post. It says herpes infections may be a side effect of the COVID-19 vaccine, experts have revealed. Scientists in Israel identified six cases in a new study of patients developing a skin rash known as herpes zoster or shingles. So it's basically shingles, a little bit of a clickbait thing, but still shingles. After uh, receiving the Pfizer vaccine, so two things there. It's Pfizer. You're not hearing about that because, of course, Pfizer is just funneling money into all of our uh, uh, news organizations and uh, medical organizations. According to the Rheumatology Journal, and this is something that uh, you can look up here. This journal exists. Uh, the Rheumatology Journal, Oxford Academic, Herpes Zoster Following BNT 16-2-BT mRNA COVID-19 Vaccination in Patients with Autoimmune Inflammatory Rheumatoid Disease. So yeah, it's a real disease, a real paper published uh, April 12th, 2021. Um, moving on, physical therapist dies two days after getting the COVID-19 shot in Indiana. A healthy 28-year-old woman in Indiana died unexpectedly at her home uh, January 21st, two days after receiving the experimental mRNA vaccine. This is from the Vaccine Reaction. So it's, uh, you know, a, a vaccine, anti-vaccine site. Um, but it's quoting the uh, family members here. It's got three different uh, links to uh, various the uh, things there. It's saying, my 28 year old daughter took the vaccine on Tuesday and was dead on Thursday. Autopsy shows no other red flags, wrote Dr. Brinkmeyer's mother, Shauna, on uh, Shauna O'Neill link in a social media post. This is one of these things that they're able to say in the autopsy that they can't really show proof. Now here she's saying, well, the autopsy shows no, no other reason for her to die. But on the other end of that, the vaccine company can always say, and that's what they've been doing these last uh, year, is basically saying, well, the autopsy didn't show anything, you know, so it could have been anything, you know, it could have just dropped dead for no good reason. And it's hard to prove a negative, but that's just it. That That's just because we're early days here. And uh, I think this blood clot situation is going to get out of control. Um, I don't have any stories, but there were a lot of stories uh, uh, this week about Pfizer and blood clots and Moderna blood clots, because you can find all kinds of blood related stuff with the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines as well. in the vaccine um, reporting site, and we just got to go through that information, which is really hard to sift through, by the way, and probably designed to be incredibly not user friendly. And a lot of people are just there are a lot of people there are actually things showing up on BitChute and whatever that are just people looking through that and discovering all kinds of things that nobody's reporting on, right? Anyway, my point here is that 
Uh, here we've got Pfizer being linked to something. Um, but but we've seen stories show up this week that are like, Pfizer also has blood clots and things like uh, uh, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson having to participate in the study that, to go through the blood clot thing. And they're saying, hey, why don't Pfizer and Moderna also... Uh, participate in this, and Pfizer and uh, specifically said, uh, we don't think that we need to because it would cause, uh, you know, people to not be uh, to, to be hesitant about vaccines or whatever. If we participated in the study, it would look bad, basically. Which the thing is, even though Pfizer and Moderna are mRNA vaccines, they're essentially kind of the same thing as the others in terms of they 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 result in the same thing: antibodies to attack a spike protein. And if the reason the blood clots are happening, and I'm kind of shooting from the hip here, uh, but this is my understanding, is that the resulting antibodies are then attacking various organs in your body and uh, because they look like spike proteins, which was originally the warning about the placentas and the stuff early on. The guy was just saying, look, there are spike proteins all over the place, like in placentas. This is not something we should be giving pregnant women. I'm just saying we need to do more studies. Um, but also other places, the heart and places like that, presumably. My point is that probably you're going to see now an actual thing that they can find in autopsies. And once they figure that out, assuming we get to a point where, where justice matters anymore, and I actually don't think that we will, uh, I don't know how it's going to fall down, but I'm just you know comparing this with like uh, this recent book I've been reading, one I highly recommend, called... Uh, uh, the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And, you know, that's one of the end results of, of a, as communism takes over, it's really important to make, no, justice has to not be a thing. Guilt and not guilt is not a thing. It, it, it's it's going to be hard a hard pill for us to swallow here in America, which, you know, truth, justice in the American way is going to mean something when it's gone. But uh, for right now, uh, I think we still got it, and I hope that something uh, happens with this. Moving on, uh, police in Brisbane Hospital with blood clots after Pfizer vaccine reports. Here we go. It's understood the 40-year-old man, a frontline worker responsible for patrolling Queensland quarantine hotels, received the Pfizer shot three days ago. It is not yet known whether the man suffers from an underlying health condition or whether his current condition is related to the vaccine. <clears throat> this is in Queensland, so this is nine news, presumably uh, in Australia. Police officer... Uh, with blood clots after Pfizer vaccine. This is uh, published 18 hours ago, so 421. So yeah, Pfizer has got blood clot problems as well and heart attack problems, and that's the big thing. I mean, heart attacks are essentially blood clots. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the, you know, how it's all happening. So I'm no, I'm certainly no medical doctor, but. A uh, family of Italian woman whose death linked to AstraZeneca jab launched legal action. So that's interesting. She's got legal action and uh, links to using officially whether the jab was a fault of her death. And of course, this is interesting because um, they're supposed to have immunity. I don't know if, how AstraZeneca falls into that. This is an English version of this. So I am assuming that they also got the deal. This is a Zero Hedge article, by the way. Um, but... I guess time will tell. Part of what I'm hoping to do with this uh, podcast is to learn more about this and uh, to know more about it and hopefully know more about it with you as well. Uh, let's see, 33-year-old woman hospitalized for mysterious paralysis 12 hour hours after Pfizer vaccine. This is, uh, well, this is from David Icke um, by Richard Willett. Uh, so, but anyway, 
let's just assume for the sake of argument, put it in our, uh, uh, our mind that paralysis can also be one of the side effects, but not confirmed. All right, moving on, let's uh, look at a few other things here. This is an interesting one. U.S. Postal Service running covert operations program to spy on American social media posts and share with agencies. Okay, the U.S. Postal Service has been running a secret program to track and collect American social media posts, including those about planned protests, according to a document obtained by Yahoo News. The surveillance program operated by the law... This is, by the way, from uh, Zero Hedge. The surveillance program operated by the law enforcement arm of the U U USPS is known as ICOP, Internet Covert Operations Program, has not been previously made public according to the report. Well, that's interesting. Is that is that saying that we didn't know that the ICOP, Internet Covert Operations Program, a division of the United States Postal Service, existed up until this point? In any case, the work involves having analysis uh, uh, trawl analysts trawl through social media sites to look for what the document describes as inflammatory postings and then sharing that information across government agencies. Analysts uh, da, 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 monitored significant activity regarding planned protests occurring, occurring internationally and domestically on March 20th, 2021, reads a government bulletin dated March 16th, marked as law enforcement sensitive and distributed throughout the Department of Homeland Security's fusion centers. Locations and times have been identified for these protests, etc. So this is interesting, because, and this says in, including right-wing leaning parlor and Telegram accounts. Interesting, interesting. So what I'm wanting to point out here is that the main thing that caught my attention is that the protest angle. And I'm just for the sake of argument, giving the benefit of the doubt, that this stuff probably wasn't even a little bit dangerous. You know, it probably wasn't even like a real protest. It might have been. Who knows? But it, but who, but who's judging whether or not it's a serious thing or somebody just saying that we should go have a protest? Because, you know, what my thesis is here is that if this is kind of like a soft coup, a soft takeover, which I think it basically is. I mean, they've been, it's been a coup for a hundred years in the making at least, but it's basically a communist takeover of America, whatever. And the, the one thing I think that can really, stop it is peaceful protests. Like, and I mean, super peaceful. I mean, super, super nonviolent people just showing up to Washington DC and just hundreds of thousands of us sitting down and just sitting there. And I think what it does, of course, what all protests do is it shows them that, that, uh, we're a lot more than they are. It shows that us, that there are a lot more of us than we thought, which is a really powerful thing. Protests get things done peaceful protests, get things done. And what they've done with the Capitol Hill thing is they've made us afraid to assemble. They've made it, what they did was so overcorrecting with the Capitol Hill. They made everybody, they, they basically announced to everybody, be afraid of gathering. You, you should be afraid of even getting a flight to an area where a protest is happening because the FBI is going to show up at your house. That is so much of a big important plan and i think is if they're cracking down on this it looks like very very heavily so here we've got some weird agency a part of the u.s postal service spying on people who are saying that they're going to protest protests are scary to these people we need to stop being scared of protests if you really want to get something done organize a protest and do it in an extremely peaceful 
overtly, amazingly peaceful, so peaceful that agent pr provocateurs can't even do anything. And that's why I say sit down is because the agent provocateurs probably won't want you to sit down. <laughs> They'll be like, hey, I got an idea. Let's stand up and do something bad. It's like, no, 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 we're going to sit down. Anyway, interesting story, I thought. Got a new, new spy agency in town. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Election Integrity Org identifies uh, 12,547 illegal votes included in Georgia's 2020 election results, exceeds margin of victory in the state. And there's lots of funny business going on with that. You know, it's, Georgia is one of the states that, you know, middle of the night, I think they said a pipe broke and everybody was told to go home. And that's when the suitcases of votes showed up and no real good explanation ever uh, were made of that, in my opinion. The idea that it's okay. I mean, you shouldn't question it. Anybody that does is just crazy. I mean, at the very least, the line from them should be like, yeah, I give it to you. It looked really bad. He was winning and then a pipe broke and then a whole bunch of really weird stuff happened in the middle of the night. And then in the morning, he was winning. It does look bad, but, you know, insert genuine explanation. But that is not what we get. Instead, we get, you're talking about elections? Everybody knows that the election was perfectly on the up and up, and no one ever knows anything else. And they won't. And they won't. When uh, when it all, the completion of the takeover happens, the, uh, the, the, the histories will read, if there is such a history that even goes into this. Uh, the elections were perfectly wonderful. The people showed their wonderful love for uh, comrade so-and-so, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, being a little hyperbolic, I suppose. Couple more uh, food world order. Thank you, uh, uh, Media Mar Monarchy, for that. Just a couple. Um, this one is uh, safe. Study says safe water fluoride levels linked to hip fractures. This is a study done in Sweden, where according to this uh, report, and this is by the way from the Fluoride Action Network, which is an incredibly amazing site. I've known about them for 15 years, and they are. I actually, uh, you know go way back with them and they are very very on the up and up everything's super sourced they've done amazing things in for the world and fluoride uh but anyway uh in fluoride removal of things but anyway this is a study in sweden which shows that hip hip fractures are linked to uh, excessive fluoride intake apparently in sweden uh, it says here swedes mostly drink tap water and shun bottled uh, coffee, tea, and tap water accounted for 70% of their fluoride intake. Hip fractures increased among those with the highest urine fluoride excretions and blah, blah, blah. So basically, uh, hip fractures linked to high fluoride intake. And this has been known for a long time that fluoride is linked to uh, various bone cancers. So it's just, in general, bad for your bones, ironically. I mean, I could go into, I'm tempted to go into the whole fluoride story, but one thing you should just think for the first time uh, if you've never thought about it fluoride somewhat sodium fluoride at least an actual natural chemical somewhat works if you put it on your teeth if you put it on the top of your teeth <laughs> it can be beneficial is, you know you won't argue with it there it's not super beneficial but it can be but the idea that you drink fluoride and it goes through what every cell in your body on its way to your tooth enamel is about as dumb as anything. The only reason it even exists is because of a guy named Edward Bernays, who basically told everybody after the aluminum industries and the phosphate industry had a whole bunch of hydrofracilic acid after wet scrubbers being put on smokestacks uh, because it was killing too many cows. Uh, so then they had all this in toxic waste, didn't know what to do with. Edward Bernays comes in and says, hey, if, uh, high, uh, sodium fluoride is fine uh, for your teeth. You should, everybody should put it in their water. And then the 
switcheroo happened where they instead gave him a toxic chemical that's never been tested on human beings that corrodes glass and uh, said it's, oh, it's basically the same as sodium fluoride. So basically don't drink uh, fluoride water if you've never heard that before. Okay, uh, now I've got a lot of stuff and I didn't put a lot of stuff in this one for like Israel news and a lot of the sort of Europe and Mediterranean watch, which I want to do in future podcasts. Uh, but I just had so much vaccine and COVID stuff this time, and I didn't have anything just bombshell stuff. I'm really trying to still get my head around what the political situation is in the Mediterranean and all that stuff. But that is going to be a good part of this going forward. So uh, I do hope this uh, podcast is something I can continue. That's kind of a question I have is, is this something that I'll be willing to do uh, over and over again? And I think the question really is, uh, how, you know, can I do this in one take, you know, it doesn't take me a whole long time to do it. Although I may in the future, if this gets going, ask for a volunteer in terms of a actual producer to, you know, help with the uploading process and all this other stuff. But right now I'm going to transition real briefly into the, uh, details of the super uncensorable podcast, because I am looking for help here. Uh, bottom line is that I think that hosting podcasts is not really the problem. You know, getting a host, uh, a server to put it on, yes, they'll eventually take servers down. That's something that's no doubt going to happen. Uh, right now, it hasn't really been doing a lot of that. Like, But that's going to happen. That's the next step, for example, with Alex Jones. They'll take down his server. Everybody kind of intends that to happen, and I expect that to happen too. Um, you know, when they make something illegal... It really is illegal. It's kind of like in the Soviet Union. It, not just what you're doing now is illegal, but all the stuff you did before is legal. <laughs> so, you know, so anyway, my point is you got to anticipate that. So that's an important part of the podcast feed. Uh, but I don't think it matters because if they take down one server, you can always upload it to another server or a last resort. You can upload it to the interplanetary file system, which even now should work as a podcast MP3 uh, file hosting service. Though I'm not planning on using it because uh, I'm just, you know, going to find a really good host uh, like DreamHost or something like that, which I think is uh, one of the better ones out there uh, for this new branded podcast that's, you know, intended to be as bulletproof as possible. The real bottleneck is the domain name. So, you know, ICANN owns or, you know, controls all the .coms and the .ios and the .everything. So in order to... To really save the podcast, you need to have an RSS feed. That's what you subscribe to when you go to iTunes or whatever and you look for a podcast and you subscribe to it. What you're really doing, all that is hosted on iTunes is a little URL that says, in my case, BibleProphecyTalk.com slash feed or .xml or something like that. And it's just a text file that tells your podcatcher where to uh, find the uh, podcast episodes and the title and different things. Very light file, like less than a couple kilobytes. Anyway, the problem is you can't, I can, used to be kind of controlled by America. Now I think it's controlled by the UN. Uh, I've, I haven't checked it out for myself. I've heard that recently. But in any case, everybody can immediately be shut down as soon as ICANN says, oh, you don't get your domain name anymore. You are illegal. So .com, whatever .com you own, that's mine now. And that immediately turns off your RSS feed. So the thing about podcasts is that they are very, very uh, decentralized. Because, for example, you know, they could take 
Alex Jones's podcast off the iTunes store, but it doesn't really matter because you can, thanks to people like uh, Adam Curry and the Podcast Index, which is a decentralized podcast index where, you know, a library of podcast feeds that's not controlled by iTunes, it's not controlled by really anybody, it's decentralized, um, that you can subscribe to uh, his podcast there. And if you have a Podcast 2.0 app like Podcast Attic or, or well, lots of them out there, that's what it does. So, so then you really can't stop Alex Jones as long as you can, as long as you, he still has his server serving that up and controls his domain name. I know I'm taking a long time to get to the point here, but I'm just trying to set the stage. So what I think can happen is that you can use International Planetary Service, which is a decentralized way to host files. And of course, the smaller, the better, really. And because RSS feeds are basically as small as it gets, I can host the RSS feed to my fi uh, files hosted on DreamHost or something. And the, R the IPFS uh, file ends with .xml. I've found that it can validate as an RSS feed which is really great. I've tested it in various podcast validators and I've even uploaded it to a few places and it works. The problem is that International Planetary File Service files are static. They're not dynamic. You can't update that podcast. It always is the way that it was. That hash is what they call it. Um, it you can't update it. But there are ways to work around that uh, using something called IPNS, Inter Interplanetary Name service, I think. Uh, and I don't know how it works. And I've looked at all these tutorials and I can't figure it out how, how IPNS uh, fits with IPFS and therefore I can't uh, figure it out. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to hire somebody that can help me figure that out just so I can test an IPNS redirected to an IPFS RSS feed. Because if I can figure that one thing out, I think the case is cracked and podcasting is uh, safe. And it may not be. It may not be possible. And if it's not, I think the answer probably is in one of these cryptocurrency uh, things. Like, um, you know, you can host the same kind of files on various cryptocurrencies using Ethereum and stuff like that. But in, in that case, it's really, and I'm pretty sure that some aspect of it, one way or the other, is going to have to go through that. But the problem is you have to use a lot of Ethereum gas, as they're calling it, to update those files. It's a long story, and I really don't know enough about it uh, to talk uh, about it, but I did want to point that out because there's a couple things that I'll probably need if this podcast goes forward, which is uh, people to help me with that. Uh, I do have a call tomorrow about it, so we'll see if that uh, helps. And then also uh, probably a podcast producer to get a lot of this uh, maybe video edited and, and the podcast uploaded to things because I think that I could fit this into my schedule as long as I do it kind of in one take like this with this news story. I might be able to get two podcasts out a week or something like that, but I don't know if I could do much more than record it and upload it and send it to somebody. So I would need a full-on producer uh, there as well. All right, so my email is chriswhite79 at protonmail.com. If you want to help, you can uh, donate crypto at chriswhite.crypto in, um, in your crypto wallets, or a lot of the crypto wallets anyway, as the uh, address. And uh, you can go to the website bibleprophecytalk.com, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.